Welcome to The Jesus Follower, a podcast about helping ordinary people be close to an extraordinary God. The goal? To help you experience the life you were designed to live in the good times, tough times, and in the moments that nobody else sees. Well, amen. What a, what a blessed time of worship. You all sounded really good. I heard you real clear on it as well with my soul. That was such a a blessed time of worship together. Uh, I could just hear you so well. What a blessing. Uh, Today, we are going to be in Jeremiah 29. And Jeremiah 29, this is a a passage today that is very familiar to most of us probably. And it actually is a passage that's quoted often, it seems like. They, a lot of people, 2911, Jeremiah 2911, and, and, and in that area, it's often quoted. But, uh, we want to make sure that when we quote things, that we make sure we have the right context and understanding of the things that we're quoting. And so I think that the Word of God today will bring some clarity, hopefully, to that. When we talk about passages like Jeremiah 29, 11, and, and, and some that are, are quoted widely. Uh, but it's great, great to be in the house of the Lord today. We've had a, a blessed week in the Lord. Uh, we had red, white, I'm, I had to remind myself, red, white, kaboom seems like it was a while back, but it actually was this week. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and it was a, a blessed time in the Lord. So thankful for Amy and Bud's leadership in that and, and so many that came out to help. So grateful for the opportunities that God gives us to serve him the way that he does. He is such a faithful father. Uh, and one of the things when we, uh, the, the, t- the message this morning is entitled, A Letter to the Captives. And one of the things that, that God, God is a God of truth. And so he, he is always about the truth. And, and sometimes uh, mankind is not always just that way. Sometimes we want parts of the truth, but we not, may not always want all of the truth because all of the truth is very hard to hear at times, isn't it? I mean, sometimes we can handle a little bit, but we don't want all of it. And, and one of the things about children that we, we were blessed with a big group of kids here. And uh, one of the things about children is that they will tell you the truth, even if the truth is going to hurt your feelings. Have you ever noticed that about the kids? So they, they will always tell you, well, not say always, they will tell you the truth when you really don't want to hear the truth about that particular situation, uh, but they're always really good to tell it, and, and it's the no-filtered truth a lot of times. And so, uh, you know, I was thinking about that, uh, Kip and, and I, you know, you know, were talking last week, and, and uh, he was telling me about, him and Sarah were telling me about some questions that Ellie had, their littlest one. Uh, and you know, Ellie likes to listen to the online stuff from Rolling Hills Baptist Church, and, and so she likes the encouragement Thursday and things like that and she she almost requests that they let her watch those kind of things online which is pretty cool because she's so little Uh, but in the process of that and hearing about Jesus he shared that she has some questions just about Jesus and one of those questions is this and I and I love this because it's just a I was reading about Jesus you know he uh, who's going to be greatest they ask him the question and he, he sets a child in front of him but just the just the innocent truth of a child is just really refreshing I think she said when Jesus comes into your heart does it hurt and I thought you know 
That's a pretty good question from a child, right? Like, because she's thinking if Jesus steps into your heart, it looks like him getting there is going to be a painful process, right? And, uh, and so Sarah said, you know, that's, she, she said it comes with, as she watches this stuff, it comes with a plethora of questions. Another question was, when Jesus comes again, Daddy, will you hold me? Uh, so when, when he comes to get his, his followers again, she wanted to know if, if her dad w- would hold her. And I thought, you know... Those kind of questions are, are so precious, uh, that, that kind of thought process. And, and then the other question that she had, and really I think it's questions that probably some of us have asked, we just may not say it out loud, is are we going to be in heaven for a long time? Or no, how, how long is heaven? And I was like, you know, that's a real big question, right? How do we answer how long? Forever. Okay, well, how do we process forever, right? That's a pretty big span of time. Uh, and so he, 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 they were just sharing how she asked those innocent questions as a child. Just that's where her heart is. That's what she's thinking. And so that's what she says. And really, a lot of times we don't ask questions because we think, oh, that's a silly question. But really, a lot more of us are probably thinking the same thing than what we sometimes would admit, wouldn't you say? Uh, with some of those questions. Uh, But sometimes, that was a a good example, sometimes kids' honesty is not uh, the most encouraging. And I was, uh, we were at Miami Whitewater at the park the other day, and and, uh, Braylon and Zaley started playing with this little girl. And I still like to think that I'm I'm relatively young until uh, I talk to a kid. And then I realize that apparently I'm not as young as I think I am in my mind, okay? So this little girl comes over and we're swinging. I mean, I guess it kind of makes me seem like a child that I'm swinging with them, but I was racing Braylon to see who could get the highest. So that gives you a little context, makes you understand why I was swinging. I had to, I had to beat him height-wise. But, but, the, but the, the little girl came over and, and, and she, she started talking to me and she actually classified me differently. I, I thought, you know, I always thought, you know, I was an adult, but apparently when you reach a certain age, you're not an adult anymore, you're just an old person. And I, I, I didn't realize that that was the reality, uh, but, but as she came over and I thought, you know, I was going to be like a, a child and she said, you're not, you're not just an adult, you're old. And I'm like, man, like I... I know it's coming, but you don't have to bring it out like that. You know, soften it just a little bit. But uh, it, was, uh, it was kind of a, a humbling moment in life that kind of hit a little different. I, I've reached the other stratosphere, I guess. I'm not just an, an adult. I'm an old person category now, which is stuff to hear, you know. But, but nonetheless, uh, the, the, the honesty of a child is a blessing. It is sometimes encouraging and sweet like Ellie and sometimes not like this young, uh, young girl at uh, Miami Whitewater. Uh, but nonetheless, it, it is honest. And I think that's why Jesus sets children in front of us as an example because of the innocence, because of the honesty that you find in a child. Uh, as we go to Jeremiah 29, one of the things that you find that people do as we, as we grow into adulthood sometimes is that we're not so much about the whole truth if the whole truth is hard to hear. And so in Jeremiah's day, this is what happens. God's word is clear through the prophet Jeremiah, and, it, and it's just the, the, the absolute truth of the word of God about is what is coming for Israel. But this is what happens. The message, as we've been listening to, is not easy to hear from Jeremiah, is it? And we know that because of that, they, they last week, I think it was, they, they hit him and they put him in stocks and, and he was like, I need to quit this, I'm done, and God wouldn't let him be done. But the reality was they didn't like the message that he was proclaiming. And so they tried to silence the messenger. But the other thing that begins to happen is if the message is not 
approved of, we start trying to change it. They tried to do that in Jeremiah's day, and they also try to, you know, we try to do that today. So if the word of God hits too hard, sometimes we will either just go around that particular passage, or we won't just preach it like God proclaimed it, we'll try to soften the blow. We do that, right? Because, because sometimes it's hard to hear just the, the word. It's hard to hear just what God says. It's convicting, and thankfully so, because we need to be convicted. We need to be broken. We need to be moved in the Lord and, and, and be molded into more of the likeness of his son, right? And so, so it's convicting. So what happens in Jeremiah's day is that as Jeremiah is prophesying the truth directly from the word of God, from the mouth of God, from the voice of God, There are false prophets that come up, and what I noticed about them was they gave a part of the truth, but they didn't give all the truth. And I, you know, one of them is, is, is Hananiah in, in Jeremiah 28. We see that at this given time, Jeremiah and his prophecy is, is wearing a yoke. And the yoke is to identify that, that Israel is getting ready to go into slavery, into bondage, and they're going to be yoked. They're going to be captive. And so he, he is trying to illustrate that by the yoke that he has on. And this prophet Hananiah, if you go to Jeremiah 28, verses 10 and 11, he actually is going to take the yoke off and break it and he's going to say the captivity isn't going to be as long as what you all think it is and naturally I look at that and I say okay which one are most people going to want to listen to the one that says that captivity is going to be long or the one that says that it's actually going to be short and not that bad they're most likely going to go to that one right because who wants to hear that you're going to be in prison for a long time because of your sin we don't want to hear that we don't want to hear some of those really hard messages so uprises Hananiah and Hananiah says this then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke from off the prophet Jeremiah's neck and break it and Hananiah spake in the presence of all the people saying thus saith the Lord even so will I break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon from the neck of all nations within the space of two full years and the prophet Jeremiah went his way now you all that 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 have studied the words you know that the captivity is more than two years right how long is the captivity going to be according to God 70 right 70 years so you have one prophet that's actually speaking the word of God that says you're going to be in captivity for 70 years and naturally when they hear that they say no we don't like that message we don't want to hear it so in comes Hananiah and he says no the yoke is going to be broken he illustrates that in a powerful way and he says it's only going to be two years and I got to thinking about that and I thought man Really, we haven't changed over all these years, have we? The same things happen today when a, a part of the pa- a passage of Scripture comes our way that's hard, and it's hard to swallow, and it's convicting, and we say, you know, I, I don't like the way that that says things. I don't really want to read that, so we either ignore it, and we don't pay attention, or we just soften it up, and that's exactly what they're doing. And it wasn't just Hananiah. There was multiple false prophets that were rising up because the message was so hard that rather than listen to the word of the Lord and proclaim truth they wanted to tickle the ears of the people and make it sound more bearable even if that sacrificed what God was saying 
And so for you and I today, I think it presents to us a real big challenge that even when the message is hard, we don't have any right to change God's message. That is not, we, we have no authority to say, well, I, you know, I know this is hard, but maybe he meant that, maybe it's he. We don't have any, the Hananiah had no authority to say it's only going to be two years. He was simply lying to the people of God. That's the bottom line. And so Jeremiah comes into this, and naturally, as you see that and you understand that context, naturally, they are not going to like what Jeremiah says because he says you're going to be in captivity for 68 more years than Hananiah says you're going to be in captivity. And so, of course, everybody is going to gravitate that way. And, and Jeremiah 29, the setting for this chapter is actually after a wave have already been taken captive into Babylon. And so one of the things that we have to understand is that Jeremiah is writing a letter to the ones that have already been taken into captivity. They've all, they're already there. So this is not Jeremiah going to them and proclaiming it, but even identifying, he is sending a letter to those in captivity with the word of the Lord. And, and so we have to see it for what it is. It's already in motion for the people of Israel. And we have to understand it for the way that God said it. It was 70 years. So the first thing I want you to see is that even though there's false prophets that are, uh, that are writing and saying these things, what God says looks very different. God basically says it's time to settle in. It's time to settle in because your captivity is not going to be as short as what the false prophets are proclaiming. Look at what he says in Jeremiah 29, verse 1. Now, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives, and to the priests, and to the prophets, and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. After that, Jeconiah the king and the queen and the eunuchs, the princes of Judah and Jerusalem, and the carpenters and the smiths were departed from Jerusalem by the hand of Elisah, the son of Shaphan, and Gamariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent into Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon, build ye houses. And dwell in them, and plant gardens, and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives, and beget sons and daughters, and, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that, that ye may be increased there, and not diminished. And seek peace of the city, whether I have caused you to be carried away captive, and pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof shall ye have peace." God basically sends through this letter in the messenger of Jeremiah, he says, listen, you need to go ahead and just know that you're going to be there for some time. And so we know that, that verse 11 is coming where God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. And we know that that verse gives comfort and hope and it rightfully should. But what you've got to understand is in the context of when that was written, his people were just beginning captivity for 70 years. 70 years. Now, a lot of times when you and I are in a rough patch, and I think that, uh, that there's several I know that are maybe there, we want God to answer. And when we hear that, I know the thoughts that I have towards you, we're thinking that God's going to sweep down and rescue us out of that in, in our time frame. But here's the thing, is that it's not according to our time frame. 
So what, what must that sound like to know that God says those words and those words are coming, but all the while we know that it's gonna be 70 years. How well would we do if we knew that our time of consequence or judgment was gonna, we were going to be there for 70 years. God said, build houses, plant gardens, marry, just settle down in that area, seek peace, because as you seek peace, it's gonna be better for you in the process because you're not going anywhere for 70 years now it puts everything for me in a different perspective I don't know if it does for you or not because a lot of times we think like if God doesn't rescue us or I feel like this is the case if God doesn't rescue us when we cry out for him then he's failing us in some way and by the false prophets teaching that it's only going to be two years he's setting the people up for failure because then when God doesn't do it who are they going to get mad at God, when God never said that he was going to do it like that. That's not God's word. That's false. That's lie. That's deception. And so that, what, that happens so often, I think, we carry around with us this expectation that if God loves us, then he's going to rescue us in that moment from whatever trial that we find ourselves in. But I want you to know that that's not always the way that God works. And I also want you to know that it's for your good that he doesn't work that way. Because one of the incredible things as you read, like in, in, in uh, Nehemiah and Ezra, when you read about the captivity fulfilling the 70 years and going back to the promised land, it is a captivity that has a, a completely different mentality that have been, are thinking about God differently. They still make mistakes, but they are, are driven much more to God than they were when they were in Israel, in the southern kingdom of Judah. You see, the people of Israel needed Babylon to get their focus back on track. And we've talked about that multiple times. Sometimes you and I need the Babylons of life to get our focus back on track, don't we? Sometimes you and I need the real challenging moments, those moments in the valley, in the deep valley. Sometimes we need that so that we can get focused back on him, so that we do hit our knees and look up, so that we do lay ourselves before the Father because we can't do it, we can't fix it, we can't jerk ourselves up on our own. Sometimes we need those moments because we just simply don't get back on track on our own. And let me tell you, 70 years is more than fair from God's side of things. Because how many hundreds of years were they disobedient? Hundreds and hundreds of years. And so many times, and, and it breaks my heart, people will blame God, will get upset with God because this challenging moment comes. And all the while, if you really look at the context of it and you see the years of rebellion, the years of disobedience, you say, look, Lord, I don't deserve anything and you give me breath another day. I don't deserve life. I don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve what you give me. And so what you give me is grace and mercy and a gift. We have no right to, to look at God and say, I can, 70 years versus hundreds and hundreds of years of rebellion doesn't seem that bad. But if you're in the 70 years, it probably seems bad. God says, settle in all that you have heard as these people went, as Hananiah prophesied lies and others did, they went into Babylon and they probably thought, I don't need to build houses, I don't need to marry, I'm not gonna plant gardens because two years will come and go before I know it and I'll be going back home. But God said, that's not the case. That's not what I said. 
He said, you need to settle in because your stay is going to be a while. But even more than that, in the incredible faithfulness of God, and I think this passage shows this so amazingly, is that as we read on down, you see the clarity. The second thing, the clarity that God brings to his people Israel in verse number eight. Look at what he says. For, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners and that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which he calls to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good towards you in causing you to return to this place. So God brings clarity to the whole situation again for his people. Don't listen to the lies. Don't listen to the false prophets. You and I today, there are so many things floating around, so many theologies and beliefs and doctrines floating around, but the thing that always holds true is this word of God, isn't it? So we don't listen and don't, we don't just go because they say go. We don't just take it for granted that what they're saying is word. We always go back to the word of God because it will never lead you astray. God says through Jeremiah, he said, listen, don't listen. I want, to, I want you to know that there are people that speaking lies to you in this moment. Don't listen to them. Be ready. Be prepared. And church, I would say the same thing in our world today. There are people that speak lies around our world today. The one way that we can know whether we're on the right path or not is by holding true to this holy word. By studying it, by digging in, by, by not just opening it for a little bit, but really digging in, not being satisfied at the level, saying, I want to go deeper. I want to know more of him. And when you do that, he'll reveal more of himself to you. This holy word, God brings clarity to the situation and he says, look, there, there are going to be, there are false prophets currently there that are trying to lead you astray. He says, don't listen to him. He says, settle in. It's going to be 70 years. Be on guard because false prophets are proclaiming. Uh, but here is the most amazing thing about the God that we serve. One of the most amazing things is he also lets them know that he is not going to abandon them. You see, in those moments in the valley, sometimes we feel like God has abandoned us. We may not be able to hear God as clearly. We may not even be looking for him like we once were. We may be struggling in all these different areas. And it may be really hard for us to think, God, I just don't know where you are. But one of the things that God shares about himself in his word is that God does not abandon his children. God is faithful to be there. You know, there's a, a name for God called Jehovah Shammah, which means the Lord is there and God is there. He is faithful. As you read all of the scripture, even in the moment of the most intense disobedience, is God still faithful? Absolutely. There is never a place in time where God's faithfulness fails. He is always there. He's always faithful even when we don't deserve his faithfulness. He is, in every sense of the word, Jehovah Shema. And for his people, he says, look, I know you are gone in captivity. I know that it sounds hard, 70 years. But one of the things that he tells them, because he loves them so, is that when 70 years is up, I'm going to be there. Now, how encouraging is it to know that God is Jehovah Shema, that he is the Lord who is there? 
I mean, I'm so thankful David Smith, I haven't asked him if I could do this, but he's got to forgive me in Jesus because the Bible says so. So thankful to see David Smith here today. Uh, Yeah, thank the Lord. But David, in your calendar for the year, did you have this last few weeks scheduled? Sure didn't, yeah, I didn't figure so. And you know, so often that these kind of things happen. And I know when these things happen, it just shakes and rattles our whole world. And, and, and it just flips it upside down in a way that we just don't expect. And all of a sudden, everything that's going smoothly, everything's changed. You know, I'm not going to work like I normally do. I'm not functioning like I normally do. I'm not uh, able to ride in the Corvette. I'm still not letting Daniel drive my Corvette, but I'm also not riding in the Corvette. Uh, and so all these things are, are flipped on, on their head almost, aren't they? And, and, and you feel like, what, what do I do? Which way do I go? How do I even make it through this? Uh, but then it's incredible. And Eris was sharing how she... She saw God work each and every day. And Diane said how she saw God work. And that is so important in our life and in our spirituality is, is that we are looking, and he's going to get to that, that we are looking for what God is doing at all times because he is the God who's there. He is the God, and he knew what they needed to hear in that unexpected time more than I knew what they needed to hear. More than you knew what they needed to hear. I mean, I could have shared and we could share the best thing that we could share. It won't be as good as what God's going to share with them unless it's exactly what he wants to share. So so God knew and God was there. And I know that you all saw God there in that moment multiple times and you shared that with us. and, And it was so incredible how that's the case. And so many of you I think about and I could use you as illustrations because I know so many of you are going through so many things. But the encouragement of the word even in Jeremiah is that God is there. And even after a time of consequence and judgment, he's still gonna be there. 70 years What we have to understand about that is that many of them will probably die in the 70 years. They will never return home. But God says, listen, this is what needs to happen. Because it's really not about our our thought and our plan, what we want. It's about what God's will is, isn't it? And God tried as as hard as as any of us will ever see to get their attention. He tried to proclaim truth. He tried to send prophets. He tried to send messengers and they just would not listen. So because God is just, he's got to do that. There has to be a consequence, right? Or he would not be the God that we serve. There has to be those things because of the disobedience. And so God, but the incredible thing about him is his love, grace, and mercy. Because even in the midst of that, he's still sending a message via letter through Jeremiah to his people in captivity saying, I am still going to be there after your 70 years. How incredible is that? They are wicked and disobedient over and over again. And who still shows up? God still shows up. Glory to his name. I mean, I, I, I just can't, it's hard to even put words to the greatness of that message of Jeremiah that, that God says, listen, I'm still reaching out to you. I'm still giving you hope. And one of the things that I'm finding out as I read Jeremiah is when the persecution gets really bad, it seems like God is faithful to send hope. 
You know, if you go back a few pages in Jeremiah, uh, we find another name for God in Jeremiah chapter 23. Uh, and, I, and I want you to see this. He says in verse number five, uh, in, in all the judgment, I love this because sometimes the judgment can get heavy. Sometimes it's tough, but then God shows up. God shows himself and his plan. And it's like, wow. In, in Jeremiah 23, five, this is what he says. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days, Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is the name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Or Jehovah Sidkenu is the, is the name of God for that. The Lord our righteousness. Guess who that is? Yes, it's Jesus. And he says, listen, even though it's bad, even though you've been disobedient, even though captivity is coming and judgment and consequence, there's coming a day where I'm gonna send Jehovah Sidkenu. I'm gonna send the Lord our righteousness for you. I'm gonna send a branch. All hope is not lost. I have not forgotten you. I have not abandoned you. I have not forsaken you. I am still going to be faithful even in the midst of your sin and disobedience because the Lord, our righteousness is coming. And I'm like, it's like, wow, the Lord, our righteousness is coming. And when judgment is ratcheted up, it seems like that God is there in his faithfulness. He brings about clarity and he says, I will not abandon you. Look at, look at what verse 10 and 11, I wanna go back to 10, 10 and 11 says, for this, for thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts, here it is, that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Now, 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 you and I today, when we say, hey, God, you know the thoughts you have toward us? 70 years of captivity? Is that, is that good thoughts that you have toward us? How many of us, if we knew that judgment in our life was coming for the rest of our life, would be saying, Jeremiah 29, 11, look, I know your thoughts are good, Lord. Or how many of us would be saying, God, why have you forsaken us? You see, as we quote that verse, what we have to understand is that God's thoughts for you are always good, but it's not always in your timeline. So, so God's thoughts for you are always good, but that may mean 70 years of captivity. That may mean that he has to do something extreme to get your attention. It, that may mean that he's got to break something off in your life that is not pleasing to him to make you better for himself. That may mean that he needs to rattle your whole world and shake everything up to try to get your attention and bring you back to himself. That may mean that because he loves you, he's going to mold you and make you, which can be a very painful process. Because sometimes that means breaking things away that you don't really want gone. But that God says, I need it gone. You see, when this verse is spoken in the scripture, it is spoken to a people that are at the beginning stages of 70 years. And we need to know that. We need to know, understand that. Yes, that doesn't change God's thoughts, but it also doesn't mean that God's thoughts are to always rescue you immediately when you find yourself in a bad time. 
That may mean that God's thoughts for you is he wants you to go through that bad time so that you can grow closer to him, so that you can become stronger for him, so that your world can be shaken for him and for his glory. And it may be an extended period of time. And let me say, I'm not, I'm not coming, standing up here and saying, and even as God has given these messages, I'm like, Lord, what is coming in my life that you're trying to prepare me for? But the reality is, is that is the truth of the word of God, that whether it's good in our minds or it's not as a child of God, he is faithful in it all. In it all. His thoughts for you are good to give you an expected end. And whether you get that in this earth, we know that glory to his name because of the Lord, our righteousness, that one day for all eternity, there's gonna be an expected end, right? There's gonna be a time with him that's gonna be absolutely glorious. And we may not see it. Some people spend their whole time on this earth in sorrow and pain. But there's a moment coming for them where they meet their Jesus. And then everything changes, right? You know, I think about people in the scripture and people ask this question like, uh, like the missionary I uh, mentioned him before, but David Brainerd. And David Brainerd was a missionary to the Native Americans and David Brainerd died at like 28, 29 years old from tuberculosis, from complications from tuberculosis. And you think to yourself, you're like, man, why would a man of God that, that left, had such an impact, why would, he, why would God take him away uh, at 28 or 29 years old? And I understand that thought process and I understand that question But at the end of the day, he did what needed to be done for David Brainerd, didn't he? His time is always going to be the best. His way is always going to be the best. His will is always going to be the best. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so for you and I, the best thing for us ever to do is just say, Lord, we trust you. Do with me whatever you will. And the whatever you will is scary to me too. Because I don't know what that means but God does. And I know that even in brokenness, if that's what God wants, it's gonna be the best thing for my life. I will never understand it on this side of heaven. But as we read and and grow in intimacy with the Father, what you do understand is that he does love you. His thoughts for you are good. He is gracious and merciful and faithful beyond what we could ever comprehend. But that does not mean that everything is just going to be easy all the time. It means that because he loves you, he's going to take you through really hard places maybe to get you to where he needs you to be. And that's absolutely okay. Because the best place for us ever to be is at the center of his will. The best place for us ever to be is where he wants us to be. And so in those moments, it's not really moments, and we find this at David, and it's not easy, but in those moments, it's not moments to forsake of hope. In those moments, just as, as he writes to this, this people in captivity through Jeremiah, it's not moments for us to say, oh, he's abandoned us, and he's forgot us, but it's actually moments to praise him, because even in the darkness of the valley of the shadow of death, he is there, and nobody else will be there that way. You and I don't live like people that don't have hope because we have a father that is ever present and ever there, even in the darkness of the valley of the shadow of death. 
Jeremiah writes to them and God says, listen, I know the thoughts and they're probably thinking maybe, what are you talking about? You just said 70 years. But I can tell you, church, as you read and you learn about God, you find out that the 70 years for Israel is 70 years that they needed to spend in captivity. Because before they were in captivity, they just simply wouldn't listen to God. And as God's nation, when you're not living like God wants you to live, it sets a really bad example for the name of the Almighty God. But finally, I want you to see this. He says he will be found. But look at what he says they're going to do. He says in verse 12 this, Then shall ye call upon me. You see, up to this point, Israel hasn't been calling for him. They've been calling for Baal. They've been sacrificing children to Moloch. But they haven't been calling for God. Notice that when God says what he says, what they need, when, when, when he will be found, it takes an effort from the people. It's not just like after the 70 years, you will find me and you just have to be present and you will find me. No, that's not what he says. He says, then I will be found, he says, of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away. Or he says, then shall you call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Now, now look at those words from God. He says, I've not abandoned you. I will be found by you after 70 years. And we know that that is the case because he's going to raise up a Cyrus, isn't he? And after the 70 years, Cyrus is going to allow the people to go back. God is going to be faithful to everything that he said. But notice that he doesn't say, you just need to walk outside and you'll find me. But he says something very intentional, I think. What are they going to do to find him? They're going to seek him? And I want you to know that seeking him is not just you doing bare minimum and expecting God to do all the rest. And then you're going to search for him. How much? With all of your heart. All of your heart. This is, this is not a half-hearted effort here. God said, I am not abandoning you. God said, I will be faithful to be there. But this is the thing that we have got to know that they needed to know is that when they come out of captivity, what they need to be doing even in captivity is seeking God and searching for him with all of their heart. And when they do that, he will be found by them. But I thought about that. He says uh, really three things in that little section. Call upon me, seek me, search for me with all your heart, and I will be found. So church, I, the question that, that I ask my own, in my own soul, my own self, is how adamantly am I calling upon him? I mean, I, I know that I call upon him whenever I have a need, but what about when I don't have, do I call upon him when things are going good just to praise him, just to acknowledge who he is, just to worship Jehovah Shema, Jehovah Sikinu, for you could go down the list of names of God and you can praise and you can worship every day with another name for God because of his faithfulness. How often do I call upon him even when I don't have a dire need in front of him? Am I calling upon him? You know, sometimes we think, God, I don't hear you. Where are you at? But we're not calling upon him. I mean, we just expect him to come even when we're not calling, even when we're not looking, even when we're not silent and still to hear. 
but then seek him. And listen, because of the childlike mentality that I have, hide-and-go-seek is not too far from me. I am not above playing hide-and-go-seek. I know what the process of seeking is all about. Seeking means you, you, you look adamantly, like you are not just satisfied. Oh, I looked around this corner, not there. I looked around this tree, not there. I looked under this, not there. No, you look and you look and you look until you find. You seek until you find. It is not just a one-stop shop. Well, I didn't find them there. Well, I'm done. I'm not going to play anymore. I'm just going to call it quick. No, you look and look and look and look until you find them. And I think when God says, seek me, he's saying, look for me until you find me. I will be there. I am going to show up. I am going to be faithful. But I need you to stop looking for everything else and look for me. And then he says, look for me with all of your heart. Not the part of your heart that has time that day to look for him. Not the part of your heart that, that feels like you're rested enough to look for him. Not the part of your heart that, uh, that is convenient to look for him. He said, search for me with all of your heart. And in the Greek language, I'm pretty sure that all means all. Every bit. Now you think about how, how big that is. And God in this is such a, an encouragement and a faithful father. In verse 14, I will, I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity and I will gather you from all the nations that I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. But he says that for you and I, and so many times we look over that, that it's not just about us just showing up. I mean, it's great to show up, but it's it's about us showing up hungry, right? And thirsty to the point that we are seeking and we are searching and we are doing so with all that we are. There are so many things in life that we chase after so much more than we chase after him. And God says, listen, I'm not going anywhere, but you need to look for me. You need to seek me. And what does love say, church? We will look for the one we love. We will search him out with all of our heart. I've been holed up in the woods before and Tiffany almost called the cops because she thought I was lost and it was only a couple hours uh, when that was the case because I didn't have phone service there and she didn't know where I was. But, but because of the love that she said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned, I, I'm, I'm troubled, I, I'm afraid that something has happened, not even a day, just a few hours and she was seeking diligently to find because of love. But how much more should the love of the Father be? If we go through a season and a time where we say, I don't, I don't hear him, I've not seen him, I'm not growing closer, what should we be doing if we love him? Looking for him with all of our heart. Because when we do that, we'll find him because he's faithful. You know, I think about, uh, and, and Andrew shared this, Romans chapter 5, and we'll close here today. I keep going back to Romans chapter 5, because Romans chapter 5, it's just a, man, it's a reminder that, 
that the God of Jeremiah and the Old Testament is the God of us today. And when he talked about the branch in Jeremiah, the, the Jehovah Sidkenu, when he talked about the branch to come, in, in Romans, Paul's going to talk, it's talking about that branch. And one of the cool thing, one of the amazing things is that when God said this to his people, Israel, he didn't say that when you come out, you'll be perfect and then you'll find me. He didn't say that because of your own righteousness and your own works and your own ability that you'll come out of captivity and you'll be completely flawed and all put together and then you'll find me. No, he said, if you'll seek and search with all your heart as you come out, I will be found after your captivity. Church, God doesn't say that we have to be cleaned up and we have to be right to be close, to be intimate, to be walking with him, but he does say that we have to seek for him, right? We have to be repentant. We have to be obedient. But here's the beauty of Jehovah Sidkenu. It says in, in, in Romans 5, 6, for when you were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Let me, let me tell you this. Did Israel deserve for God to, to reach out to them in his faithfulness the way that he did? Absolutely not. Did they deserve a punishment like just 70 years? Is that what they, they probably could have, they deserved much worse, Right? But God is gracious and God is merciful and God is loving. And even in the midst of our failures and flaws, it doesn't matter what they've been. It doesn't matter how bad it's been. It doesn't matter how short we've come because we've all been there. God still loves us. God still reaches out for us. God still wants a relation. He wants to redeem. He wants to rescue. For when we were without strength, and notice he says, listen, there's not, there's not anything. You were without strength, but Christ came in that moment. He rescued them even when they were still in their imperfection. And then he says in verse seven, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. And this is, this is the great testimony of the awesomeness of God, but God commendeth his love toward us. It doesn't say while we deserved it, when we got everything right, as long as we were walking good. It doesn't say anything like that. He commendeth his love toward us in that while we were sinners and we were deserving of death and the wages of that sin was death, but in that moment, Christ died for us. You see, he rescued them from captivity and they didn't come back and do everything right, but he loved them anyway. He sent his son to die for us and to give his life for us and to pay a price for a bunch of people, for a world that's full of people that we're not doing the right thing, that we're without strength and we needed someone. And God said all the way back in Jeremiah, I have this guy. I'm gonna call him the branch. I'm gonna call him Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness, and he's coming. Because I'm a God that is faithful, I'm a God that loves you, and I'm a God that wants to rescue you. You know, the reality is, is sometimes we sit in the same space that we've always been in, and we never seek, and we never search, and we just become satisfied. But do you know that God wants to know you more? Isn't that incredible? If you're lost in here today, God wants to rescue you. He is a God that rescues. If you're a Christian and you say, I've not been seeking or searching, God wants to know you more. Because that's the kind of God he is in all the scripture, isn't it? Anybody that would send their son for a bunch of sinful, disobedient people is an incredibly faithful and gracious and merciful God. 
But for you and I, that's, that's the God that we serve. And so I think the challenge for us today is this, is to be very careful when it comes to the word of God. First, we need to know it. And secondly, we need to take the word for the way God said the word. It's not up to us to change how God said it. I know sometimes it can be hard, and I know sometimes it's not fun to hear, but it is not, I don't have the authority to change what it says. God didn't say to Jeremiah, listen, you give a soft version of this because we need to kind of smooth this over because 70 years is coming. No, he expected when he said to Jeremiah that Jeremiah said the exact same thing to his people because that was exactly what they needed to hear. We serve a God that does have good thoughts toward us and in those good thoughts, that may mean that he needs to take us to a Babylon because he's reached out over and over again and we have failed to seek him on our own. So he says, listen, I'll take you to a Babylon because I love you so much, I'm not gonna let you stay where you are. I wanna rescue you and make you new. And then he's a God that even in the midst of our disobedience, he will be found by us. We can have a relationship. He's a relational God. We can have a relationship with him. And all my life, I feel like as the more I grow to know him, the more I feel unworthy of such a relationship. But that's who God is. And so for us to ever not seek or not search for him with all of our heart is a mind-blowing thing because the great creator God longs and desires to have a relationship with us. Mere sinners needing of rescue. So I think that Jeremiah, God through it, is challenging us. Will you seek and search for him with all of your heart? Will you and I lay down our own ambitions and our own motivations and our own things that are, are, are trying to sugarcoat it and give him just pieces here and there if we have time instead of giving him all? Will we search for him with all of our heart? And it's a reminder to us this morning that it doesn't matter where we are. You may say, well, I've been a Christian for a long time, but I've really been living in sin. God can rescue you from that. If you repent and fall on your knees before him, he will forgive you of that sin. Isn't that incredible? And you say, why? He's just that good. If you're here today and you're lost and you, or you're online today and you're lost and you say, well, well, I, you don't know what my life has been like. Let me tell you, I, you don't know what my life has been like. You don't know the, the secret sins of my heart. You don't know how short I've fallen. You don't know the mistakes that I've made, but I'll tell you that every single one of them, the Savior died on a cross and rose again so that I could be forgiven and be made new even in the midst of the sinful man that I am. There should be nothing that holds us back from seeking and searching for him with all of our heart. There is not a good reason to say, well, I'm just gonna wait. What are you gonna wait on? You don't, you're not promised another day, another moment. What are you gonna wait on? You may be lost. You may say, well, I know I need to get saved, but not today. Why not today? If God's laying it on your heart, if God's convicting you, there is not a greater moment than this moment to make things right with God. It's not a wait till tomorrow situation. It's a, I'm gonna do it when God says to do it because I don't wanna miss out on what God has for me. I don't wanna miss out on the God of the universe. 
So as we stand this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed, let me ask you this question. And these questions are very challenging. They're very challenging for me too. Are you willing to search for him with all of your heart today? I think that we have to understand that what God's word is saying to us, what he requires from us is not a piece, is not a part. It is the whole thing. It is all that we are is what he requires. And so many times we think, well, if we do this, it's good enough. If we do this, it's good enough. Let me tell you, there, there is nothing that we can do in and of ourselves that's going to be good enough for who he is. That's why we need grace. But what we can do is we can search for him with all of our heart. We can truly seek him. And God is so faithful, and I found this true over and over, and I'm sure you have as well. When we'll do that, he will be found by us. We are privileged to have a relationship with an almighty God. Will you search for him today? Will you lay it all down so that you can see him? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you today so grateful for your word, Lord. So many times in my my study in my life, Lord, I've avoided or not ran to places like Jeremiah. And as you've been taking me and us on this journey as your church, just makes me question why. Your living word, Lord, is so powerful. The way that you show up is so mighty. Lord, and I feel like that so many times it's hard for me to even describe it in a way that's worthy. But God, to think about you being there for a people in such rebellion and disobedience. So much grace, so much mercy there and love that I can't even hardly comprehend it. To think about you sending your son for a world of sinners like me. Not waiting for us to get right, not demanding that we come and get, present ourselves clean on our own accord. But King Jesus came even when we were without strength. Lord, the greatness of who you are is amazing. Lord, I pray as we see that more and more that the amount of our heart that we search for you just grows. The amount of our heart that we give you, the amount of our life that we surrender grows and grows and grows because we discover the greatness more and more of who you are. Lord, I pray that your spirit would just move and work in this place, in this invitation, through this passage, Lord, as only you can. I pray that when we leave here today, Lord, that there won't be a a soul, a heart, a mind that's here that says I'm leaving with something I'm holding on to. Lord, but that we will lay it all down at your worthy feet. We love you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.